What's going on, everyone? Andrew here from EMT Life Podcast. If you're in the United States, I hope everyone had a fun and safe 4th of July. And for everyone who doesn't celebrate the United States Independence Day, I hope you had a fantastic weekend. I just wanted to give everyone a little heads up. Paramedic school is starting real soon for me, and I'm going to be pulled off the road to focus on school. So my infield experience uh, will run out eventually until I graduate school. Uh, Stories and topics for the podcast are going to continue, but it might be a little slower. I'm super excited to start medic school, but I'm also really nervous. You know, like I say, always continue your education, never stop learning. So super excited to continue my education and, you know, get more knowledge and more skills about the job so I can continue to help people and continue my path in the emergency medical field. With all that being said, I wanted to talk about trauma today. Now, trauma is a pretty significant part of our job. We see everything from physical trauma, you know, from car wrecks to someone falling out of a tree. There's, there's such a wide range of trauma, but in reality, it's all dealt with the same way. You stop the bleeding, splint an extremity if necessary, and haul ass to the trauma hospital. However, not all trauma needs to go to a trauma hospital, and that's where you know, your field experience, your knowledge, and following your protocols all comes into play. So as an EMT, what can you do for trauma? Like I said earlier, stop the bleeding, splint the area if needed, and get to a hospital. Now as a paramedic, you can do much more because you have that advanced training. Examples of what a paramedic can do is start an IV, administer fluids, give pain medication, and so on and so forth. So as you advance up the ladder in EMS, or in the medical field in general, you will be able to do more things that can make the patient more comfortable or potentially give the patient a better outcome. But that's all trauma really is. It's pretty straightforward. You stop the bleeding, and then you can do everything else. It's kind of really difficult for me to decide what I like better. I love trauma. I would probably say I would want to deal with trauma more than a medical call. But I'm I'm torn because when you get a good medical call and you really have to work in the back of the ambulance to help a patient, that's always super satisfying as well. So for me, it's real difficult to pick which one I like better. So I'm going to give you uh, two examples of trauma calls and how trauma can, can, can vary vastly. Because if you remember, I did mention that not all trauma needs to go to a trauma hospital. We'll start off with the one that does not need to go to the trauma hospital. So we get on shift right at shift change. We get a call for an attempted suicide. The ambulance that usually covers the zone that the call came came in from was at the hospital, so we were the next closest. The sheriff's office was already dispatched because of the nature of the call. 
in route, we were getting updates. It's a female. She cut her throat. And when you hear that, your mind always goes to the worst place. You hear cut her throat. It's attempted suicide. You're thinking there's going to be a, a huge laceration on her neck. Uh, blood is just going to be everywhere. And there's not going to be a whole lot of anything you can do for the patient. I'm driving. And when when that update comes out, I pick up the pace a little bit. We get on scene. The sheriff's office is already on scene. And the patient is sitting in a chair, rag over her neck, talking to the cops. I notice there's very little blood on the rag. <clears throat> now, we have to take a look and assess the area. It's part of our job. You're going to see some messed up things. So we pull the rag off. And there's, there's a hole in her neck. And the hole is about the size of a nickel. And surprisingly, there is little to no blood loss. Uh, but, you know, we took our flashlights, looked inside. And when you looked inside the hole, you could see tendons. Uh, when the patient swallowed, you could see the trachea move. It was, it was kind of cool, but at the same time... It was just gross. You're like, ooh, that, that's not normal, and that's kind of creepy. But when you can physically see inside the injury, uh, you see that there's there's no damage done to the airway. The airway's still intact. She's still breathing. She's getting good uh, oxygen exchange. Her SpO2 is good. Uh, and you can see that there's no damage to the tendons either. And when you can physically see that and, and you make that assessment, all the patient needs in that instance is some stitches and the patient's going to recover just fine. So there's, there's no need for a trauma hospital. Now, let's say you saw, saw some, um, you know, cut tendons or a perforated trachea, something along that lines, you're most definitely going to go to a trauma hospital. But when you can visualize that there is absolutely nothing wrong inside the anatomy of the neck, you can 100% guarantee that there's nothing inside there. You can just go to your closest facility and most likely they're just going to get some stitches. Now, on the other hand, you can show up to calls where you think everything is fine, but it's going to be a more serious call than what it was dispatched to be. So, Another example, and this is going to be the example of where you need to go to a trauma hospital. We get dispatched for an alpha level fall. Excuse me. I've I've explained in the past previous podcasts that where I work, alpha level fall, uh, excuse me, alpha level calls are the least serious call, and they do not require a lights and sirens response. So we get dispatched. We get on scene and the patient is being held up by a friend because the patient cannot sit up herself. The patient was putting away dishes when they tripped over a mat by the sink uh, and hit their head on a, on a tile floor. Now, tile's hard. Everyone knows it's not going to give. Uh, the patient had a really good-sized hematoma on their forehead along with some shoulder pain. We asked the, the typical A&O questions, you know, the alert and oriented questions. 
you know, just um, who the president is, what year, you know, things like that. And the patient could only answer where she was. And she just kept saying in her house. She really wouldn't give us a, a not necessarily detailed answer, but in her house was not the answer we were looking for. We're, we were looking for, you know, what city were you in? And she couldn't answer that. So the patient was A&O times one, which just means alert and oriented to one question. Patient also had a positive LOC, which means she went unconscious. So LOC is loss of consciousness. With all that in mind, plus the patient's age, uh, we decided to trauma alert the patient and we took them by ground. So where the call was at the time in the county, it turned out that it was going to be faster to drive the patient by ground than it would have been to put her in a helicopter and fly them. You have to remember when calling for air support, you know, you have to you kind of ask yourself a couple questions. Where are you in relation to the trauma hospital? How long is it going to take for the helicopter to get to you, land, load the patient, and then fly to the hospital? And then how serious is the patient's condition? The patient for us was stable enough, and the trauma hospital was within a reasonable time frame that we decided to ground transport. So this just two examples that I could give offhand of some trauma that I've seen and have dealt with and the necessity of going to a trauma hospital versus either closest facility or a non-trauma hospital. Like I said, not everybody needs to go to a trauma hospital just because it's trauma. So not only do I hope that you understand like I said, that not all trauma needs to go to a trauma hospital, but also that there's going to be a lot of calls you respond to that turn out to be something more serious than what they were dispatched as. So, an example, the, the last call I talked about, the fall, always bring your stretcher in no matter what. You know, it, it's good practice. It's going to save time. Because I've seen that, and this is just my experience, my um, just just my observation that when calls are dispatched at a lower level, and the dispatcher doesn't give you any information about the call, they will always turn out to be more serious than what they are. And you get calls where the dispatcher tells you everything from when the call takes place to when you get on scene, the dispatcher is still on the phone taking information. When, when calls are dispatched like that and the dispatcher tells you all the information, it turns out to be, you know, uh, less serious than what it is. Like an example would be like the first uh, trauma call I told you about. You know, the dispatcher tells us person cut their throat, attempts to kill themselves, and it turns out to be a small laceration with no bleeding. That's what makes this job so difficult. It makes it so fun and rewarding all at the same time because you never know what's going to happen and what you're going to get. So I've said it before, don't get complacent with this job. Always learn something and always be prepared. So 
I hope from you listening to me that you learned something and I hope that I'm also entertaining at the same time. I hope I don't bore you. But if you have any questions, comments, ideas, whatever you want to do, you can always uh, send me a message over on Instagram at EMT underscore life underscore podcast. And I'm always going to answer you there. I promise I'll always answer. But as always, I hope everyone has a safe and fun upcoming weekend. And God bless.